So, um, you grew up on a council estate, where was it, Belial? Belial, What yeah. was that like? Um, it, it was interesting, mate. It was, yeah. um, just, just running around, really, just being a, a daft kid, but like, rugby took me into that, into, okay. into a different, like, not circle, but it, rugby got me in my discipline and that, I think. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? From growing up in a, like you say, Belial, a council estate, having lads on the street and that. Um, rugby took me to start getting disciplined and respect and stuff like that. So were you a little bit naughty before you started playing rugby? Um, I wouldn't say like naughty. Just a lad, lad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Me, but just, I would just put lads just yeah. running about. Just doing what young lads what do. Doing, yeah. yeah. And then, so what, what was what was home like? You come from a good home? Yeah, yeah. Good home. Yeah. My dad's still together. Yeah. Um, it's rare nowadays, isn't it? My, you know, my mum and dad. Um, it's it's really rare that you you find people whose parents are still together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, growing up, my my dad was in and out of jail quite a lot. Um, but saying that, me getting into rugby is what really changed him as well. I'd say it's because it got him into the coaching side. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Um, so he was down at the Warriors. I just started playing rugby. He took me down there. Uh, a bloke that he works with. How old are you at this time? Oh, I, mean, I think I was about eight. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was about eight. And um, a bloke who used to coach at the amateurs, he used to work with me, old man. And my um, dad just mentioned, you know, me wanting to start playing with me or whatever too. And he said to him, he says, oh, we'll bring you down, Mick, and, and uh, we'll just see if he enjoys it, see how it goes on. And uh, we took, we, we went down, I trained, and and were you a big like, kid, normal, big average? Kid, yeah, were you? Yeah. Yeah. Tall, chubby, what? Yeah. Tall, yeah, tall, big, <laughs> yeah. big Yeah. <laughs> I bet his eyes lit up when you walked in then. Yeah, it did, mate. To be fair, I remember the first session. Um, Dave Corney, what coach, and um, his son used to play, Jake. And uh, I went down for the first session and he gave me father and that. Because obviously I'd, I'd never played with him before. <laughs> I was like, Nick, here's the ball. He says, I want you to run. There were like a defensive line in front of me. I want you to run and try and put ball down behind that line. I'm like, right, okay. Anyway, ran, did it straight away, broke a line, scored. <laughs> I looked at my dad. Come do it again, Mick. See if you can do it again. Did it again. Just one more time. See if you can do that again. <laughs> did it again. And they were like, right, okay. This is, uh, and that was it. It was just like signing a job. I mean, it's. Oh, wow. Right, yeah. And so, how long did you play for them for? Um, I played for Warriors for I think up till about 15 up till about 15 year old and are they amateur? they're amateur yeah so how did that progress? well I went from um, I think I might have been I, I'm saying that mate I think I might have been like might have been 12 actually because I remember going to one to Parkside oh, right. up until 15 and then I went back to the Warriors from my last amateur season at the under 16s um, and then all the way through like from 12 onwards I would have lead scholarship um, and then 16 that's when you sign your that's when, if you get a deal or not um, but at this point I was like representing my country I was you know, playing for oh wow and, so I was doing alright um, and then 16 came and John Bastian who um, would at Leeds good good you know you developer and uh, 
he were at Warrington at the time. Leeds came to my house asking me to sign. Um, I, I said no, I want to go see some clubs that were interested. Who did you support? Um, at the time, I, I did like Leeds because my, my brother-in-law were there. Right. Um, but at the same time, I, I, I we need to get the best out of rugby, you know, money-wise, my future. Wow. Everything, so... 16-year-old, you're thinking that? Yeah. Was, did that, that have an influence on that, or was that you? Um, a bit of both, but my brother-in-law had a big influence on it, like, because... Obviously, he'd, he'd already been through the system. He, yeah. He was like, he would tell me X, Y, Z. Do you know what I mean? And so, I think I had out of all the teams, mate, in Super League, I had nine that wanted me to go see him and like sign me. So I ended up going to Warrington. I, I went to Warrington to have a meeting with John Bastian, my agent, um, and basically the they offered me a, a really good deal like, I think it was if I were to sign in the 48 hours they'd give me X amount in my bank straight away as a, as a um, what do they call it <laughs> a bribe <laughs> uh, they'd give me X amount in my bank as a lump sum and then pay me right. whatever for, throughout the three years I was there can you remember numbers roughly I know that at 16 mate, they offered me if I were to sign in 48 hours they'd put 10 grand in my bank wow and, and what other clubs offering something similar to be honest mate Warrington well after Leeds came to my house Warrington was the next next place I went right and with him saying that being a 16 year old kid <laughs> and my agent was sat there and he was like at, the, at this point mate my agent had like Danny Maguire my brother-in-law Jamie Peacock like he had you know um, the top did you say your brother-in-law and Jamie Peacock or is Jamie Peacock your no, brother-in-law brother-in-law and Jamie Peacock ah, right. yeah, no. um, so um, I spoke to my agent and he was like look you've got 48 hours if you want to sign with them, you do it. He says, I'll be totally honest with you. He says, the next team that I think could be around, like, wanting to match him is Wigan, because Wigan wanted me, like, a lot of the time. Uh, but they wanted me to move down there, you see, did Wigan, which okay. was a big commitment for a 16-year-old kid. You know, moving in with another two 16-year-old lads, I think it was, at the point, I think it was. Ryan Hampshire from Wakefield. Um, another lad, I can't remember, but they wanted me to move in with two other lads but do like a little flat share player yeah, flat yeah. share thing um, which is a big commitment a 16 year old and I was still wanting to get a national diploma in sport at school so um, or I thought I got advice to stay in education so um, yeah yeah I sat down with my agent had a, had a word with him and just like listen he says I think it is the, uh, the best deal that you're going to get um, there's certain coaches who are still involved with England teams then that would have worried him like I just think it'd be a, a great progression for you through, through your career so long story short I ended up signing there didn't it yeah wow. so you lived in Leeds and you just travelled for training I travelled to training mate I, um, I got the train with uh, Brooke Brown um, meaning we used to get the train there and then Joe Bastian would bring us home because he's from Leeds um, and then it's obviously as soon as I passed my test at 17 I just started driving then got money in bank yeah well okay. Yeah, that's, they put me through my driving test. I didn't have to pay for no driving lessons. Wow. Um, Was that part of the contract? Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so I didn't have to pay for no lessons. All that. So literally, as soon as I passed, I, I had that money there to get a car, to get the insurance. And I was just going back and forth and with Brooke. Um, and Brooke left, and one of my best mates signed with me for my last year, Marcus Elliott. Uh, but 
we got like really close at the time, you know, going to and from training every day with each other, playing with each other. Um, and then um, I got offered to stay for another two years. And then Marcus left, I think he signed to Bradford. Um, and then I, I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. You know. So you stayed from 16 to 18? Yeah. When, my, my how old were you when you got your first game? Your first walking out into Warrington's pitch, capacity um, crowd? Team that really wanted you. Yeah, they were. They were, they were, they were like Paliasina that were playing, Pat Richards, um, Greg Burke. You know, there were some like good big bruises in there. I was 18, and that, that, that was my like first decent game. We won it really. Luckily, we won it anyway. Yeah. What position did you play? Prop. Wow, yeah. wow. So those first few tackles. Give me a long ball. Did you get targeted? I didn't, mate. No, no. Really. You know, we're gonna, like, we're gonna just a physical team. Yeah. So obviously you had to try and match their physicality. And what Warrington had a, we had a big side anyway. But obviously I was baby on pitch, really. Yeah. I mean, I was eighteen year old. I was baby on pitch, but I, I believe I did all right. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy to see like when you see your Jack Walkers and all your young ones coming through the academy, and then the first game, you they, they look young, yeah. you know, next to some like they've got the hairs all nice, they've yeah. got no scars, yeah. they yeah. like they've never had a bush yeah. nose before, and you just think, no, don't don't yeah. eat him, don't do yeah. this. Opposite me, like I was, because I played prop my whole life, yeah. so and I'd boxed since I was like nine, ten, so right. I was already like fairly physical I was a big lad anyway Yeah. so I, I, I was up there with my sort of matched to my physicality I was always an aggressive player you know what I mean I, I, I had like no respect for my body so I didn't mind getting whacked and, and whacking you know what I mean so I was always <laughs> out of height yeah so did you go from there to Huddersfield or was there something in between yeah no I went from I went from there to Huddersfield um, I think I spent two and a half years and was that a choice to leave or did you contract 10 and you weren't sure whether contract 10 then I got offered again two years um, and then that's when I came closer to home I had a chat with my family and uh, my agent and said I want to just come closer to home and at the point um, Chris Thorman and Andy Kelly and I'd heard a lot of good stuff about them both obviously I knew Chris Thorman just through watching him as a player um, and Andy Kelly I'd heard is a, what a really good bloke to be under um, and I'll be totally honest with you mate when I went to Huddersfield they were by far my best two years that I've ever played rugby oh really yeah, yeah, they, because yeah. of the way they trained you and made you play Everything or is, was were, it just you I was happy that their training how they, how they presented themselves like they, they stripped me down from I think I was walking around the one and at like 115 kilo I went to one and I, I played my best season at 92 kilo stripped me down and I was athletic do you know what I mean I yeah. was, still I, playing prop still playing prop prop lose forward because I lost a bit of weight yeah so, um, yeah uh, that was definitely they were definitely my, the most I've ever enjoyed rugby what it was for you 
Smite's definitely got the best army there. Chris Thorne did anyway. Smite's coach, I think I've ever been. Oh wow! Yeah. So what? Why? Why do you think you made it professionally? Is it? It can't have just been because you was a big, sort of sixteen-year-old. Um, no, I won't. I won't have said it like that, mate. I just think I was for my age and I was, I was very physical. Do you know what I mean? I, like I said, I didn't mind getting waxed. I didn't mind throwing my body at whoever I was throwing it at. Like, and I think, I think that that got a lot of people's attention. Right. I mean, like I played for England, I was prop, and I just, I just matched everyone physically. Whoever I came against, I matched them physically. I, I was aggressive. I, if it sounds a bit like corny, but if there were any like bother on pitch or like that, like I was sort of the man. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. To go to, but. Um, and I think that's what, obviously, I think that's what every team needs, and I think that's what every coach looks for is a bit of a an enforcer type player. They used to say, you know, like, yeah. like, it's, it's, like I say, if there's any bothery or if, if they've got a prop that's a big aggressive person, like I'd be that man for him. Do you know what I mean? So I think that was a big part to play for me. And with boxing, that got me my confidence through the roof. I always just used to think if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Right, you know I mean? two completely different things. Like with rugby, the aggression where it was, I suppose in rugby it is sort of controlled as well, isn't it? Yeah, it, a but lot with, more boxing. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say boxing. It's very, very controlled aggression, yeah. isn't it? It is a con- like rugby. Like you say it's con- it is controlled aggression. Don't get me wrong, but obviously you're not allowed to fight in rugby. You're not supposed to fight in rugby. You're not supposed <laughs> to fight in rugby, but you see a lot of fights break out. Now that's obviously like loss of control, isn't it? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So. Um, don't get me wrong I had my fair few fights in rugby that's why boxing helps me so much because uh, rugby at any point it could happen especially for a pro mm. it could happen at any point so b- boxing brought me on as a rugby player loads I remember one time I think I took a, a good few months out of boxing and my rugby definitely changed definitely changed like I think my presence just wasn't as loud I don't think I don't know right. what it was, but me personally, I didn't notice it. Um, but it was, like people told me, like, is everything all right? What's up? Like, and I'm just like, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, no, it's wrong. Everything's all right. Um, and it just dawned on me, like, boxing. I've not boxed for so many months. And I went down wow. and boxed. And I remember coming back and, like I say, just my presence was just there again. Do you know what I mean? I was, I was there, really. So, you, it was, what, how old were you when you injured yourself? 21? 2021. Yeah. And is that whilst pl- is that in a game at Huddersfield? No, I was I um, weightlifting. Oh, really? Yeah, with weightlifting, yeah. Um, our feeder team was York, I believe. Yeah, York. And I was doing strength testing there with obviously lads at pre season. And uh, I'd gone to press, I, I don't remember how much, but I think it was a three rep max. And then uh, so obviously we were putting weight on, you know what I mean? So obviously it's strength. So and was it a control sure. thing with people there, or was it like lads going, oh, let's see how much we can do? No, 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 it was a, a full thing of strength and conditioner with their right. coach. Oh, right. Oh, OK. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it, it was a proper thing. Um, and obviously we had iPads to write scores in and stuff like that, and it was a proper calculated session, it was a proper session that that's done. And then I'm bench pressing. And I've done my first couple of sets and uh, I, this was the heaviest I'd gone on. I can't remember on there, I mean, 60 something, maybe something like that. And I pressed once, pressed twice, 
fine. I'm gonna do my last rep halfway up. Obviously, my, my chest just snaps. So. So you're laid on your back. Yeah. You do you hear? Do you feel? Does it just just something goes? Does the weight drop? Yeah, yeah. But I had three spotters. Right. So I had one either side, and obviously the man behind me. But I genuinely didn't feel anything snap. It, it just just gave way. It just gave, yeah. Yeah. But it gave, but it it got a very strange feeling, mate. Because they took the bar off me. I don't even think the bar hit my chest. I don't think the bar tightened my chest. You know, because I had them spotters there. Yeah. And it's took the weight off me. It's put it on on the rack, and I physically couldn't get up. And uh, it felt like the bar were on me. Like it felt like the bar were there oh, wow. on my chest. So I'm like. Take the bar, like fucking take the bar off me. Yeah, I'm lady, I can't move. He's like, Nah, I've took the bar, mate. And I went, We'll get your knee off me. Because I thought, because obviously it was a heavy weight, I thought he'd put his knee on. So you could push up. To leap, like, yeah, off, oh, so he could pull so it up. Yeah, pull yeah. Up. So he's like, You can get up, like, get up. So anyway, I couldn't, like, physically sit up. So I've rolled off the bench. And uh, I had a tight t shirt on at the time, and people were like, Oh, like, give me chest, you over your chest and I looked down and my pec were like down in the ribs and there was just nothing here it all sunk in um, Jesus at first I'm like something's not right there is it something it's not even like you can say oh I've broke my arm or it's no, like yeah. you wouldn't even have a clue what that was I have no idea <laughs> no idea um, and I took my top off and like I say my, my chest was literally down near my pec down near my ribs so like your chest's gone like look at like they were literally bulging here like you, you snapped it on which don't condition like you've snapped your chest like there's nothing all attached there anyway i like sat down had to drink water and so i started getting sweaty and feeling sick next minute mate oof, gone like out cold so you didn't feel any pain or anything no not until i woke up oh okay up put me in recovery position because I was out for quite a bit I don't think it was like a 20 second out and up I was out for, for quite a bit mate, a few minutes so they put me in recovery position but obviously them just doing it quick I woke up with a bloke's hand in my mouth holding me holding me like, like you know what I mean holding me holding me tongue down and uh, I woke up and they put laid me on the side that I'd snapped so they put me like this and as I've woke up, I've rolled on my back and I've left my arm out and the nerves. Oh mate, I'm sat here like this now and this <laughs> <laughs> the, the nerves, everything just started going like mad. My arm started shaking doing whatever it was doing. I couldn't feel it. My arm was just like literally shaking everywhere. And that's when I screamed because I felt the, you know, when I turned over my arm was still there, I felt the pain, I felt just like a massive rip. Went to the uh, hospital at Pinterfields and went and had a, a five hour reconstruction the day after. Um, the surgeon said he'd been, I think he'd been operating on people for 18 years and he'd only ever seen one like this and they were like nothing all attached. Tendons snapped, ligaments snapped, muscles snapped. Your pecs made up of three muscles, all three snapped. Tendons, ligaments, I had to drills in, flattened tendons and Wow. So what? how long did that take to, or what was that recovery like? Because it would have just been 
rest one day and then eventually it would have been back to normal. I wanted that place, but mentally it challenged me big time because I would have been glad I liked lifting weights, I liked playing rugby, I liked boxing. But for the first, I think it was about 12 week, I had a, I want a sling, it was, I had like a, I had a, pad, a bit of padding under here and my arm was literally strapped to my body and they paralysed my right side for, I think they paralysed my right side for like 10 days. So I physically couldn't move my right side. Yeah. Um, and it was strapped to my body. Um, and uh, I think from that I went into a, a sling that I could wrap up myself, do you know what I mean? Start, like, not moving my arm, but if I get a shower, I could take it off. Um, and I was in that sling for about... started doing a rehab but I went from like a, like that bench and whatever I was benching to not being able to lift a five kilo dumbbell off a, off a rack and stuff I went I had to go straight into to band work and not even band work straight away just literally movement straight yeah. away with my physio um, my physio was very good physio at the time so I was really lucky I had one of had a physio at Huddersfield and I had a physio at York so I was always covered for you know what I mean to, to be able to do stuff so um, I think I went rehab mate for about for about 18 months so could you do anything else could you train the other side of your body or did, did you ju- no, just no, proper rest I, I had to have it completely off for about I think I had to have about a year, maybe just under a year completely off about 10 months off so what Huddersfield saying at this time are you, are you still on their books are you still getting paid are you I've seen the Huddersfield physio. I'm not too sure. Not too sure. Um, I've seen Doss at Huddersfield. And I've seen Ollie at York. But Ollie were also at Huddersfield and York, a bit of a training physio. Um, I think. Um, I'm not too sure, mate, if I was still there or not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, well, like I say, I could do it for about eight, ten months, nothing at all. And then that's when they said, right. You go to the gym, you can go to the gym, strap your arm to your body, start working on your other side. And I'm like, just been doing everything you've asked me to, restriction bands. At this point, I'm on like two and a half kilo dumbbell movement stuff. Um, surely I can start like lifting a bit of weight now. And I'm like, no, you lift a bit of weight, it's going again back to square one. So that's what I'm doing. I'm strapped to my body, just work, just work constantly on my left side or on my legs. So I wanted that place, mate, but. Because I would just wanted to give up. I was just like, listen, I'm not going to play again. I'm not going to box again. This is the thing. If 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 you had any other career, it'd just be well. When it's back, when I can move my arm about again, I can go back to work. I can go back and do this. But it's literally, it's not just. I mean, it's bad enough having an injury that puts you out anyway. But then to have an injury where you think, is it going to affect the rest of my life in that way? So it well, it did. You stopped playing rugby, didn't you? It did, mate. Yeah, like. I were always cautious of, obviously I'm, I'm in front of lads that are, some of them 120 kilo running at you and if they do a slight step and you overreach, I were, that's what I was always worried about, overreaching and getting, you know what I mean, someone yeah. running through my arm and, and like tearing again but um, that's what sort of stirred me to the boxing side, do you know what I mean, is 
as much as that's obviously I need my arm for that. Yeah, I was thinking because I, I didn't know what your injury was. Yeah. I knew you'd had an injury, but I didn't know what it was. Yeah. And then when you're telling me, I'm sat thinking, well, he's boxing. Yeah, <laughs> he's boxing the best <laughs> thing for it. <laughs> um, but I think it's just the fact that there's, there's very little impact really on my chest. Yeah, but it's like hooks or. Yeah, no, no. I don't know, mate, but I've never felt it since. Yeah. I've never had a problem with it. Yeah, that's what stirred me more towards the boxing side, definitely. So you started boxing. You you didn't box amateur, did you? No. How come? How how I do you how do you like, decide that? Like I had two like, exhibition fights when I was young. I think I was about twelve. Right. Um, I'd run in Peter Lee and run in Leeds. Um, but I actually went to where I'm fighting out of now, Golden Tee. Um, so I box. I was going to say, Thai boxing, one of my friends used to do Thai boxing down there. Right, yeah, I went, I went down there to do my Thai and uh, a lad called Steve Wayne took me down That's who I was going to tell you about. Oh, was it? That's yeah. my mate Steve Wayne, yeah. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> well, I was speaking to him because, um, uh, I don't know, I think they were good mates with my sister and good mates with my old man and that was Steve. So, um, I, uh, I spoke to him about wanting to do more with my body, you know, like knee, kick, elbow. I said, I'm alright with my hands, like, I, I can box, I can fight with my hands, but I just want to bring more to, to myself, so he took me down to the Golden Team, I did some Muay Thai, and uh, I, I ended up being alright with Muay Thai, they, they wanted me to fight K1, uh, they were talking to me like, going to K1 Pro. Oh wow. Yeah. Uh, is, there so, is there anything you can't do? <laughs> you play rugby a couple of times, you're a professional <laughs> rugby player, you go kickboxing, you're now... <laughs> <laughs> and I really wanted to. Right. I really wanted to fight K1. I did enjoy kicking and elbowing and that, but um, I remember I think P spoke to Steve saying I wanna I wanna take him down K1 roof. Obviously my tide's a lot of clinch in there and K one you get into a clinch, you one strike and you have to let go. It's it's literally more strike, you know what I mean? You stand there and fight, but um, I think he spoke to Steve about me going down K one roof. And they were like do me a favour Pete before you do anything just like just watch your box just do some at the gym where it means you just have to box so uh, yeah, we ended up going into the gym and we were like right we're just going to work on his hands today lads like boxing only today we're just you know we're going to concentrate on some hands so me naturally I went from a K1 stance straight into my boxing stance and I, I, we ended up sparring that lot and I, I did well so and that's where I went from there. I ended up going. Uh, Mark Bateson, my manager promoter, um, he got in touch with him and said, oh, there's, a, "There's a lad here who, you know, what I mean, he's a, he's a good boxer. He's never fought amateur, but like, I, I think he'd do all right." Um, obviously, I don't, I've never seen it. He's not got amateur. He's got no background. But I'll have a look at him. Mark took me over to, for me, one of the most, not intimidating gym, but like, well, for instance, I walked into a gym in Manchester called Collier and Boston. Great gym, Pat Parrish gym. Great people. Great, it is a fantastic gym. But the first time... I, I was waiting for the butt. <laughs> but. I, I didn't know they were back in then because my mind obviously was setting rugby. And I uh, walked into gym. Pat Barrett and stood here like this 
big gold necklace on, uh, gold teeth, and there's a pit bull. Just, <laughs> just roaming around the gym. It's a big pit bull, and I'm sure that I'd like a big gold collar on. I'm thinking, man, I'm not, here. <laughs> I'm not leaving here, either alive or, or on a stretcher, so it's not going right here. So, um, anyway, I ended up sparring with uh, Lyndon Harper. Um, I like heavyweight, well, well, he still is. He's very good, like heavyweight competing at a good level. I think he's Commonwealth champion now. Um, and that was my first ever live spar boxing against someone who's he's fought in Olympics. He's, you know what I mean? He's, he's on his way up. Um, the first time sparring a professional, so I ended up sparring with him. And, um, all the lads at Collierhurst ended up, like Pat Barrett, like, ended up calling me a ringer. Don't even know what a ringer is, but yeah, yeah. So, um, oh well, do you want to explain well, in case? Yeah, yeah. Basically, a ringer is you've not like told the truth about yourself. Basically, yeah. do you know what I mean? That you're saying I've never done any of this, never done any of that, but in background you've done. Have you seen the Johnny Knoxville film? I haven't. No. He's done a film called Ringer, where he tries to enter the um, Paralympics, thinking he'll be able to win a, a medal. Um, and you, if you watch it, I, I mean, it was years ago when I watched it, and I was probably on loads of drugs and laughed my head off at it all the way through. So I don't know if it is still funny. Right, okay. um, but, but yeah, yeah, the Ringer. Yeah. So go on, sorry. But yeah, no, they, they ended up calling me Ringer because I'd sparred really well. Do you know what I mean? They thought I'd, they, they didn't think I'd never fought before or done anything in boxing so um, yeah from there Mark said to me like yeah I'll sign with me basically I'll three years sign with me we'll, we'll see how we go and that's it from there mate it's been a ever since wow jeez I mean, it's not. Um, it's not. You've been lucky. Obviously, there's something in you where, when it's something competitive or something physical, you're just going to a different sort of level. Because you can't, you can't be professionally successful in multiple sports without having something inside you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like some people focus the whole life on one particular thing, and then they become that good at it. It makes them a living. You're just bouncing between boxing when you're little and then rugby and then... I don't know. Do you, how do you think it would have gone in K1? I don't know. You're I'm too pretty for stuff like that, though. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I would, I would have liked it. I loved, I loved training Muay Thai. I loved it. And sometimes to even... I did it today. I walked past the bag and I, I kicked it. Like, <laughs> I just do it. Just like, I just enjoy doing it, mate. So do you still do the training or is that bad no, for your boxing? No, I don't. I just don't. Right. So, where was your first professional fight? Ellen Rod. Ellen Rod. Ellen Rod. I fought a lad from. Um, I think he was called Demetrius. So I, don't, I, I know he had camouflage shorts on. He was called Rambo. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, is it different walking out with a team into a rugby stadium, singing and chanting songs, and then walking out on your own into a into a boxing event? Um, it's different, mate. But when you're walking. Walking out to walking out to a ring and walking out onto a pitch. To be fair, it's it's not far off the same feeling. Do you know what I mean? Because they're watching you. People are like all eyes are on you. Basically, I know you've got a team with rugby, yeah. but um, it's it's not far off the same the same feeling. Boxing, I'd say, slightly better. Do you know what I mean? Better. Because it literally is you. Do you know what I mean? Like people are watching yeah. you. They're, they're shouting whatever your name. Do you know what I mean? Um, but 
And have you always had a good following? Always had a good following. Yeah. yeah. I've always had great sponsors. I've always had, you know, great people around me, best friends, family. Um, always had good people around me. There, yeah. And what music do you come out to? Um, I actually come out to one of my one of my good mates' funeral songs. Oh wow! Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, I didn't to start with. Obviously, he was still here with us. Um, it's called Chris. And, uh, <coughs> I used to I, I come out to a few different songs, but um, he used to obviously he was there at every fight with Chris. And for some reason, not me. Whenever I stepped out of the ring, it was always, always I say, say it. He's, he was always the first person that were ever there. Like when I stepped yeah, out of yeah. the ring and went walk downstairs, he was always there. Like give me a love. Do you know what I mean? Uh, so. So when when you're walking out and that song's playing, are you already in the zone back and you don't really hear it or is it does it get you fired up or? I have I have his um, I have his photo on my kit. Right. Um, his name on my kit. Um, and even before the song comes on and I'm putting kit on, like I have him on my chest. I have a, a photo of him on my chest, and I'm always like. Literally saying, "Come on, yeah, yeah. Something. Do you know what I mean? Uh, but the first time I walked out to his song, like I was facing the crowd, and uh, I was facing the crowd, mate, and his song come on, I had goosebumps everywhere. I turned around, and I just started crying. Um, and I like, obviously, I, I just, I don't know why, I just faced away from from where I'm from. Yeah, the yeah. Do you know what I mean? I just faced away, and like I'm crying, I'm, I'm bouncing on spot. Goosebumps. Everyone behind you will have been thinking, look at this show off know, with his yeah. back to us, jumping about. <laughs> Who does he so think this, he is? Point, I didn't even notice this right until now, but at this point, I've turned my back. But the, that was the first time I'd fought since he passed, and I had his photo right big on my back at this point. Ah, oh, right. All his family were down, like where you know, where you walk in these bars there. Yeah, they're all there shouting, and some of them are crying with phones out, and you know, everyone videoing them. Turned around, started crying. The coach is looking at me. And he's like filling up, watching me crying. Up. I'm just like, so his song has a bit. I, I walked him in there, and I think I just did, didn't like two minutes. Something like I was this. Him. Was this like? If, is it for? Because I've I've looked up and I've only been able to find three of your fights and I think it's the fourth, the fifth, and the sixth, and the fourth is a first round knockout or a stoppage, yeah. Um, but one one thing I picked up on watching you fight is the commentators. I mean, first of all, they love the fact that you came from rugby. They're always. I don't know if any of you know, but it's like yeah, you said this two fights ago and the last fight. Um, but they all spoke about potential. They all spoke about um, how you've not done amateur fights, how you've just sort of turned up in this form and you're unstoppable. Um, and it's sort of, they're, they're talking fight four, five and six. I'm sure it's them three. Um, and then another five fights later, you're still, you're still yeah. unbeaten. Ten fights unbeaten. Yeah, they do speak highly of them, to be fair. Yeah. Um, but, like I said, like, a lot to do with it mate is the fact that I've got such a good following because like people might think I just say it to say it but without them people buying tickets and stuff I wouldn't be able to get in that ring yeah. do you know what I mean they, I've got to have a good following to step in that ring if I don't have a good following people are buying tickets I won't be able to pay for X, Y, Z my opponent whatever so I won't be able to fight 
and that's a lot of drive for me like as much as I want to get there personally and for my family like they're putting money yeah. into me yeah, you know yeah. I mean? and like, I don't really think about the fight too much I just think I want them to come back when I fight again do you know what I mean I still want a good following when I fight again like so I don't want to let them down on okay. on their putting their hard working money into coming to watch me fight I yeah. don't want to let them down I want to perform well for them so would you rather knock someone out in the first round or put on a good fight for a few? Um, I think if it, if I think if you're following someone, if I came to watch you and you knocked them out in first first couple of minutes, I'd be like, I'd definitely pay to see this again. Well, to be fair, mate, I, I think the last kid I fought, yeah, well, the last kid I fought, I knocked him out in the fourth, and everyone was saying that was the best fight, like because yeah, I, yeah, I, we've done three rounds already and they come and fourth, and I put him away. Wow. So I get the point of. Tyson never lost his fan base. It no, became no. hard for him to get fights eventually. Yeah. But he never lost his fan base. Yeah, no, no. So. Yeah, it does have a, a big part of the play and then people around you and that. And you yeah. See, you want to make them happy. You want to. Do you know what I mean? You want to. You want to. Make them happy. They come. Yeah, you, yeah. Know, you want them to have a buzz out of it just as much as you do. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Cause like I say, I can't get nervous about them, so they're in the, they're in it with me. Yeah. You know what I mean, I have to have them to fight. And you get nervous? No, and I think this. I'm not going to say no. Every boxer gets nervous. It's a door. If you the same, the door, the line. Yeah. Um, but I think I get. I think I get more. Obviously, I get nervous. I know I'm nervous when I'm going for a nervous percentage. <laughs> Does it matter who's in the crowd? No, don't make a difference. Mike Tyson does a podcast um, called um, Hot Boxing. So hot boxing is usually when loads of you sit in like a really small room and smoke weed. And is that with um, it? He's done quite a few. So he's a UFC bloke, I think he does it with the right big kid with like slick black. black yeah, yeah. So there's yeah. them two, and then they so they interviewed Eminem. Um, yes. Which was really weird. And Mike Tyson was talking about being scared before every fight. He was scared. And he had a trainer that taught him how to switch on this aggression. So it didn't matter who that person was. He had this job to do. And he got in the mindset of, I'm going to stop this person, whatever it takes. But he never taught him how to switch it off. And he, blame's not the right word, but he says that a lot of a lot of that ability to switch it on and not back off again was a lot of the problems in his personal life. Yeah. And it was just, like, you don't, you don't associate fear with Tyson. No, and, but you know why I think he was, he was scared? Back in them days, anyway, the person he was as an individual, like, I think the reason for him being scared is without boxing for him, he, he had nothing. He was 
yeah. do you know what I mean? It was nothing. So for him, he'd probably been scared to get beat because it's the it, reputation it's, and the it's Mike Tyson. Yeah, do you know what I mean? If if he gets beat, it, it's not like without boxing for him, there's nothing. Yeah. So I think that worries his mindset. Do you know what I mean? If, if I get beat tonight, I'm, I'm, I'm nothing of. I think yeah, that's yeah. that worries fear. So where, where's your head at with that? Like, what what do you want to achieve? Have you set goals? Have you got targets? I just, I always say me like, I don't look at. Now I look at like titles and stuff. Titles would be nice, but for me, I I just want to be able to provide for my family. I just want to look after my mum, my sisters. That's that's my goal. Yeah. You know I mean, if titles come with it then they come with it but for me no, I just, I'm just doing this because I want to be able to give a good life to them right so you're what you're 25 now have you have you thought about how long this will last and no um, I am if I'm honest yeah just um, enjoying it while it's happening enjoying it while it's yeah. happening yeah while I'm young I can enjoy yeah. it um, I don't know before you were talking about having to stretch when you get out of bed and stuff I hope none of your opponents watch any of this <laughs> Sat here and I'm 36 and we're having a conversation like with 50 year old men. <laughs> it's awful, but I've always done impact sports. So I, I did a bit of boxing when I was young. I played for East Leeds. I used to play, um, I don't think Danny Maguire was on our team, but he did play for that team. Uh, Richie Mavers, right. we played on the same team as Richie Mavers. Then I went to football, uh, got trial for Leeds United, and I jumped off a motorbike when I was 18. Um, showing off we, I was on my way to a kickabout with just some of my friends um, and lads from Beeston used to play against lads from Morley so 11 of them had come down just go to a pitch have a kickabout and I was late so I'm on the back of a bike and I said to the guy who's riding the bike just go into the middle of the pitch and the idea is when we get there I'll jump off the back and be like ta da and the bike were going too fast and I landed my studs stuck in and my knee twisted and they said I'll never compete again so I could probably have a kick about if I have a kid in a garden but I'll never be able to go 50-50 in a challenge because it'll just go every time so a few years pass and that's what kept me away from drugs from crime from everything and then when that all stopped that's where my life just flipped at 20 because uh, uh, the, the one thing that was keeping me straight was taken away and this is what I was saying about when you have an injury that changes everything it changes your whole mindset and I was the same as you you know what's the point and you go back to a normal job and you just think oh, it's not yeah. it's not something I want to be doing um, so yeah so a few years pass and I feel alright and then someone says do you want to play five a side so I'm like yeah I'm sure I'll be fine and then it goes again and I've literally had it rebuilt four times the first uh, yeah, complete ACL. So the the cruciate ligament was that badly damaged; it couldn't be repaired. So they had to sort of drill through my knee and then thread ligament uh, tendons and stuff through. Um, so yeah, so two more times I tried to play football. Two more times it went. So I had it rebuilt three times, and then the fourth time it was wear and tear. So the hole that they drilled has just expanded more. So they had to do another operation to to fix that. Yeah, I know. I were very lucky when I did my knee. Have you done your knee as well? How did you do that? Playing, rugby. All oh, right. Was it ACL? No, I did my medial and lateral ligament. Right. And took cartilage away from the cruciate, but my cruciate was fine. I didn't didn't do anything to that. Um, so I was in a brace for about for about four months, and then I was in a straight leg leg brace for four months, and then I think I went to you know adjustable knee. Yeah, yeah. Um, for the last two. Right. Yeah. 
yeah, four times. And every time I was just like, I'm never going to do it again. I'm never going to do it again. But then it's, it's like I've always said, I stopped taking drugs nearly seven years ago. And the problem is you get to a point in your life where you forget about how bad it was. You forget about the consequences. You forget about all these things and it becomes attractive again. And it was the same with my knee. After a couple of years, you forget how much you lost. You forget about all the the recovery time and all that sort of stuff. And you just think, yeah, I'll be able to have a kick about yeah, and it'll yeah, be all right. It's a long time, isn't it? Yeah. Four times you've gone through your knee Yeah, because that I didn't listen the first time of them yeah. saying, you can't play football again. Yeah, that's probably two years' worth of rehab that you've done yeah. four times. So yeah, it is. So like at the point, it doesn't really seem like that. I'll be out for a few months. Yeah. Like but you've done it four times. Two you know? years that's, laid up. That's two yeah. years, yeah. Yeah. Long time. But yeah, when I was younger, we used to do inline skating, you know, like sliding down rails and right, yeah, yeah, gapping yeah. steps. So yeah. all the pads in my knees are all worn away anyway. So you've got the little things that, like the absorbers in between your bones. Right. Um, so now when I walk up steps, it just like, it like clicks, yeah, it's, clicks it's as I go up. <laughs> it's definitely my knees. <laughs> yeah. Bloody hell. Yeah, I do. I'm, I'm feeling old. I'm feeling old. I can't, you see, my problem is I get carried away. So you're on about putting your body on the line in a sporting way. I, I went snowboarding and I went on a snowboarding holiday um, in 2013. I didn't know how to snowboard, so I went to Xscape. And on my last lesson at Xscape before we went, a few days before we went, I cracked three ribs, but then travelled 24 hours on coaches and trains, got to teams, managed to snowboard for 10 days, but on the fourth or fifth day I fell and broke my shoulder but because I didn't have holiday insurance we just finished the holiday so I just sort of like pushed myself up with yeah, one arm yeah, yeah. and then got back and then I had to go and get it sorted in NHS yeah yeah <laughs> I did it at escape I went to escape paid to go into escape with my sister's husband um, and we went to learn to jump and grind on um, snowboards just so I'd have like a yeah, like a receipt to say, yeah, oh, yeah, I've been. <laughs> and then went. But, yeah, I'm, I'm just just daft. Like, I, I forget that I'm not 25 anymore. And I think that I can still do all these. 25 in your mind. Yeah, I'll be remembering that next time I'm laid up going, do you know what, Mick? <laughs> he told me. <laughs> so you mentioned, you mentioned your routine a little bit. So you, you said 10 weeks before a fight. So... If when you when you get taught, so your your promoter books a fight. He, does he tell you who he is, how he fights, and then you train as a way to beat them, or do you just have your way of fighting? Okay. If I get told the name, I don't like to. No. Right. Like for me, I because I'm tall for anyway. Yeah. How they're going to fight me is going to be totally different to how any of the videos are. So yeah. I don't like to know because. Oh uh, yeah, I suppose that makes sense. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'll probably. If you if you know the name of someone that you're gonna fight, you're gonna have a look. Yeah. And so you do you check how many fights they've had and wins and losses? The, the names of when I found out the names of the people I'm fighting, that's when I'll I'll, I'll have a look. I'll, I don't know. I'll have a look on Box Rec or YouTube. But then I, I just think if I like I said before, if I train as hard as I can, I, I trust my manager Mark, or Mark and my coach Pete and Daryl to train me strength and conditioner Reese to train me according to how they want me to fight that night so I have to trust them and I do trust them enough not to want to know who my opponent is yeah I'll just get in there and deal with it that night so what do those 10 weeks look like do you do you move away for 10 weeks is it 
<laughs> do you get to sleep at home? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. so is it just sort of so many hours a day, yeah. complete training? What about food? Well, that's the thing, like, like people say how many hours a day that you train, but, like, it is 24-7. Like, yeah, because you can't, not yeah. Like the lifestyle's 24-7 yeah, for yeah. 10 weeks. Yeah, literally, you know what I mean? I'm, it gets to a point, mate, sometimes when I'm making weight or whatever, or I do, some, sometimes I'll do intermittent fasting, so I'll, I'll eat at 12 noon. So my hours of eating will be from 12 noon to 7 at night. So I've got seven hours to eat. And, and is, it, is it not like eat as much as you want in that time? No, 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 no. So it's set, it's set portions. Stuff, and, yeah, yeah. Right. Need some, yeah, same. Yeah. Like a fiend, mate. But I've got to drink so much water. I've got to eat so much. It gets to a point where sometimes we're on a night. I'll be up running at midnight, one in the morning because when I can't sleep, especially if I've been sparring, I can't sleep that night. And I know I can't eat late. So I think if I'm sitting out downstairs doing some, it's the fridge there. I'm going to, <laughs> I empty, when I'm going to camp, I empty all the shit out. I yeah. empty my fridge, my cupboards, everything. Um, and I just put my meals in there. But what about your missus? Huh? Do you live with her? Yeah. What does she do? She's not. So she has she to do this with you. Oh wow! No way. But and that is hard to be fair. Like when if she if she just come home or summer and I'm like I just want some ice cream where obviously I can I can't eat and I'm not tired and I can't sleep so I'll get my stuff on and I'll go out for a run like I'll be running sometimes at 12 in the morning and then I'll go home get in shower go to bed just so I don't eat and I put myself to sleep it gets that obsessive or I get that obsessive with it I get obsessed with my my, my weight my physique, my, like how sharp I am. Like, I'd literally get obsessed with it all. A bit too much, really. But is I, it too much? Because if you were, if you were racing a motorbike, you'd want to make sure that every bit of that bike was as in tune as it could yeah, be. Yeah, yeah, you would. Yeah, and my body's that motorbike. Yeah. That's that's exactly it. And when when you stop worrying about those sort of things, I think you'll see a deep. I mean, when you stop boxing, when you were playing rugby, you lost that sharpness. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't even something you noticed. People were telling you, and then you've put it as, oh, it's because I've stopped boxing. So it's, I don't know, it's worrying. Like, people think of it as, like, a a negative thing. Like, if if you were were just a pretty boy who wanted to look good when you went out, I think that's different. But this is is your income, you know, the way way that you fight, the way that, I suppose, in a sense, the way that you look. um, It is, it's all part of, it's all part of your job, isn't it? I wear a, a heart rate monitor for every session, and also we'll monitor every session. We have to fill out a grid on the morning to say how I slept, how I feel. Oh, wow. I wouldn't have thought any of that. Yeah, yeah, it gets deep. Yeah. Um, I track, obviously, every session I do, I have to wear a heart rate monitor, and I send it to the strength and conditioner at least step with this. You sound like that foreign guy off, is it, kickboxer? The, the move Van Damme film is yeah, like he's like a machine and I'm sure they've got computers plugged into him and stuff oh, right, okay. that's what that well, that's, that's what that like. sounds like and I send them all to him and sometimes I'll I'll do strength and con with him on the morning 8 o'clock in the morning I'll go do strength and con with him and he'll be like you're a bit flat 
like, like what, what, what did you do yesterday? Like, and it'll, it'll pull up my graph that, you know, for my heart rate monitor, and it'll be like, fucking hell, yeah. And it'll text my trainer, because I'll, I'll do my strength and core, and then I'll go box. So I'll, I'll do my strength and core, I'll, I'll have an hour break breakfast, or two hour break, have a breakfast, and then go box. And it'll text my, my coach, boxing and say, mix, flat here, he's feeling it here, he's heavy in his legs, like, you know, do, do his session according to how he is, phys like physically. And it's always obviously towards end of week that I'm, I'm, I'm slugging a bit. So do you get days off? Uh, yeah, you get, you get one day off, yeah, a week. Right. Yeah. Day off as in you've still got to eat right, but you just don't have to yeah, train. Right. Yeah, you still got to be bang on the diet. And do you are you allowed to do rude stuff with your missus in those ten weeks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that usually when you have the flat bit? So <laughs> 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 no, uh, obviously the old myth is don't have sex before you fight. Yeah. But today's ever like is proven that say if you have sex or This whatever, is what you tell her, you don't need to lie to no, me. No, I'm not. This is you tell her this. <laughs> Twice a day for ten weeks. Research testosterone boosts it higher. Right. You know okay. I mean? So, but saying that, I'm still like, before a fight, I won't do anything like two or three weeks before. Right. Like, absolutely zero. Do you know what I mean? So, uh, but they say it's it's still not meant to like you're just meant to go on as you would because like you say testosterone gets reset all the time and it's boosting so um, so how how's the 10 weeks panned out is it does it start easy and get harder or does it start rough because you've not been because you train all year anyway it's not like you don't train and then you just train for 10 yeah, weeks no, before a fight but but yeah it just gets intense for 10 weeks and is it is it always worse when you first start um, no not really mate, because the, you've got 10 week you've got yeah. 10 weeks where you've got three sessions a day for 10 weeks so they don't they don't want to kill you straight away so you come to the middle of <laughs> they do want to kill you just yeah, not straight yeah, away yeah. So, <laughs> like you come to the middle of camp and do you know what I mean if, if they smash it a bit and not just that but they don't want you to peak too early do you know what yeah. I mean you want me to come down go up come down and shoot up for a fight so they never want you to peak too early they, they've got it all set up mate to be fair I'm, I'd have to obviously look at any of that then yeah, that's, yeah. that's what they do so about 24 hours before a fight, how different is that? What's your routine? Um, 24 hours before a fight, I'm just normal, mate. Like, on fight night, people, some people, like, before they see me, you know, go down to the venue or whatever, though, like, they say, I, you don't... Why are you so like calm? Fighting, yeah. Like, but I'm just, that's me as a person. I'm, I'm very laid back, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think I've ever, I've never, like, lost me. I don't, I'm a very laid back person, do you know what I mean? But 24 hours before the fight, mate, it's obviously still eating healthy and drinking a lot. Of, they're saying that, to be fair, 24 hours before the fight, it depending if you're weighing before or on the day of the fight, which I have done, I've weighed in on the day of my fight, I've like had to, so like, let's say the week to my fight, I'm fighting on Friday, it's Monday, I'm having to up my water from 6 litres a day to 8 litres a day. Which is that in itself is training. That's hard to do. It's drink up six litres anyway. It's hard to do. Yeah. So, uh, so I have to up it from like six litres to eight litres a day. And then like two days before 
So say the Thursday, I don't drink like very little. I drink maybe not even a litre. Is that purposely to dehydrate yourself at weighing? Yeah, yeah, to, right. to, to make weight. Okay. Um, and then on the day, obviously you're weighing. After weighing, mate, it's, it's a big... For me, I always go like big chicken carbonara. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And, pasta. Um, and even then, I'm still wanting some shit after that. <laughs> I've got to, got to fire it soon. Um, but I tend not to eat that morning, mate. I tend not to eat. Like, I, I can it, if I want, because I always make my weight. Yeah. And I could put like a, a little bit of something down my neck first thing in the morning, but I just I just tend not to. Don't know why I just. Tend so not if you're to fighting at five o'clock, you'll eat sort of midday, one o'clock. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. About that time, I literally might, might have one, like I said, make like a meal that meal. You know what I mean? Like chicken carbonara. Yeah. From mentality and And then how soon after your fight is? Oh, junk God, food and cake. And <laughs> 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 I've, had, I've had some of the days before, like jump out beans. I love the cake or yeah, <laughs> caramel shorts. Do you want me to bring this in, in for you for after five? And I'm like, if you're gonna, please don't put it there before. If you're gonna bring it in after, do you want a pizza? Do you want to order some Domino's and after after five? But then I still need to think like, I'm always towards the end of the fight. Sometimes there's a lad or two fighting after me. Yeah. They don't want to be warming up watching me eat pizza. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? The door, so. Out of respect, I was like, no, no, leave it. But then, inside, you're like, I'll meet you in car park. Yeah, but now, but when everyone's eating, I'll, when everyone's four, sorry, I'll, uh, I'll get in car. I'll go show my face to everyone in town, you know, that's come to watch me. I'll go yeah. meet them out. But eventually, I'll backdoor it. I'll go get a big barbecue pizza. I'll, I'll get a milkshake. I'll get a millionaire shortbread white chocolate and I just do you know what this is the happiest you've looked through this whole interview look at your face <laughs> well that's what I do mate yeah and then, and then the next morning after my fight I'll get up it'll be full English full mashings black pudding bacon leave the fire yeah. like sausages um, I'll have some shit in the afternoon and I'll order a Chinese at night but then I get into a coma I'm like Part of the reward. Yeah. yeah. Jeez. If I lost though, I've never always said I was touch wood. I haven't been beaten. Well, do we want to talk about this? No, but I'm saying if if I was to lose, I don't know if I would go on to eat shit that night. Well, alright. Mm-hmm. I haven't thought about that before, but I wonder if. So, in what, in what sense, like, you don't deserve yeah. Like, don't deserve I've it? I've done something wrong. Maybe, I don't know. I bet it's worse because you've never had an amateur fight, because you've never lost a fight. Like, that first loss. It, 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 you, I mean, it's going to be tough. Who did? Jade. <laughs> 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 Jade so, did. so, you'll go back to that being that 10 year old <laughs> getting beaten up. <laughs> But no, it is. So I, I mean, I can't compare my life to yours. Um, but you came to the. We'll get on to determined Dan as well. You came to the meal at Headingley, um, and I do spoken word. And the reason I was asking about does it matter who's there and do you get nervous? Because I went through a phase where, if certain people were in the room, I'd get up on stage and forget my words, and it's like I was too busy trying to impress. And it were people who I looked up to when I first started. Um, so I'd only been doing it for sort of three years. 
And then I went through a phase of the same where I was at um, quite an iconic venue in Leeds, uh, Leeds Playhouse, West Yorkshire Playhouse. And backstage, there were people who'd been doing it for years and they were rehearsing and rehearsing and rehearsing and rehearsing. And I was just sort of like, I was thinking maybe I should be more nervous because of how other people are acting. Right. Um, and then I've forgot my words before. And it's awful. But that one at Headingley, because, like, I, I, so the poem about cancer mentions Dan and my mum and my auntie, and then one of my friend's mums who passed away. And it's never been an issue performing it, but when those people are in the room and it's an event for them, and I don't like where you were sat, you were sat on the same side as where my mum and everybody were, um, and I just I couldn't look that way. And I just, I needed to be facing the other side because that's why, and the song that you was on about where you walk out to it, that's how I felt. Like I was, I could feel myself getting upset just because they were there, you know. And it's... it's, For me, you doing that, mate, like... Did you cry? Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like it's got a title. I did feel up. For me, mate, you doing that, me doing what you do is probably just as scary as for you doing what I do. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? For us yeah, to switch yeah. roles, mate, I'd shit my... I, honestly, mate, I would shit my pants getting up. You'd definitely have one loss if I went in place of you. I'm <laughs> telling you now. <laughs> At least you won't be there for it. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> but no, mate, I, I, would, I'd, I, I wouldn't be able to do what you do. Like, yeah. Getting up and speaking is a, a big thing for me. Anyway. It's tough. All right, with stuff like this. Yeah. It's, it's just us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're sound, but... For me, you get up and speak to. And yeah. like you drive. Well, I do. I do the spoken word bit, but I try. I don't plan. Um, like I do talks, and I don't plan what I'm going to say. And sometimes it catches me out. So I was at a police crime commissioner's event, and there's 500 people in a room, and I get up on stage. It's my profile picture on Facebook, so I'm stood, and then it's got my my name in massive letters on the wall in the background. It's projected on. Um, and I got up and. I had corona. Well, my GP thinks I had coronavirus at the start of March, so I'm sort of shivering and like my nose is running, and I'm sort of telling people like um, we didn't know what it was then. Coronavirus wasn't a thing then. We didn't find out for two weeks that this was a thing. So I've got up on stage and I'm literally stood saying, um, you know, thank you to Ian from St Giles. He's come on board, and I'm not very professional the way I am, and da da da. And this is an event where there's people who I could potentially be working with, like funders and stuff right, in the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm just so there going, yeah, I'm just... <laughs> no, and I, I, I hate it. So a lot of the stuff we do, people ask you for blurb about who you are, what you do. Absolutely hate it. When people come up and say, oh, that was really good. I feel so uncomfortable. Like I've got, I've just got a stock response of, oh, I really appreciate that. And then change the subject as quick oh, as okay. I can. Yeah, yeah. It just makes me feel really uncomfortable. And I don't know why it's not... It's just people showing appreciation for something you do. Imagine people coming up to you after the fact and going, oh, mate, you did really well. And then you've been like, oh, I don't know what to say. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like that. Yeah. Like, I don't know how to enjoy that moment. I just, yeah, I, yeah I dodge it. Dodge it straight away. It's crazy. Yeah, okay, yeah. Does it, that does yeah. sound crazy to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Because you put a lot of time and effort into it. I mean, it's nothing like, again, it's nothing like what you do, but you, you, you create something and then you put it out there. And if you're not bothered about how people receive it, why are you putting it out there? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So you should want people to come and say nice things because yeah. you put time and effort into it. But 
but yeah, I'm off. I'm, I'm gone. Yeah, I Cheers, I appreciate it. I'm telling you how to speak it's not worse than them lads coming up after boxing. You should have done this. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. What, what about people who shout while you're doing it? Like some of the videos, it's like, hey, Timmy, like, yeah. cheers, mate. I didn't, yeah. I didn't think of that one. Thanks for that. No, you know what's weird, mate? You never, I don't hear. Right. It's like you get selective hearing when you get in the ring because I literally hear my, my cornerman's voice and ref's voice. That's it. Right. It's, it's weird, mate. And the squeals when you're paggering somebody. Yeah. I'm squealing. Yeah, it's nice when you <laughs> what did it feel like the first time you knocked someone out? Uh, Not in like a sadistic way, I don't you be like, yeah. I think, no, I mean, I, I've never been one to like, say like, gloat over That's one thing I noticed, you, you touch gloves after most rounds as well, which usually it's at the start of a fight, but you're quite respectful in that sense oh. where... It's, it's, end of day, boxing's a business, isn't it? He needs me. I yeah. need him to, to live, to get to where we want to be, provide for your family, whatever. We need each other. So, it's me and him fighting in that ring. He probably looks at it the same as me. It's not, I don't look at boxing as a fight. Do you know what I mean? I don't think I'm going to have a fight tonight. Although I am. It's, it's just not how I look at it. Okay. So, do you see it more as like an art, yeah. a game of chess, yeah, yeah, yeah. that sort of thing? Yeah. So, I always have that level of respect for him just because as much as I am, they're putting their body online, they're, they're only trying to, to make a living out of that. Yeah. I mean, they're doing the same as me. Um, so, like you say, with like the first person on the I'd, I'd never, ever, ever go over anybody because that could be, that could be yeah, yeah. do you know what I mean? I wouldn't like anyone to go over me, yeah, yeah. The floor, so um, you've got to have that level of respect. So how does it feel when you win? Because you must have like a bit of a it's it is nice when you stop them because yeah. I remember the first time I knocked someone out and like the ref waved it off kid run on floor and I remember going over to like where my me, me mate's brother were and um, his mum and what have you and like, like screaming you know at the top of my voice and I, I think I tend to write hard and scream somewhere I don't know what I scream <laughs> um, ever since that whenever I've stopped anyone since I think because in the moment that was the first fight he wasn't there and stuff like that do you know what I mean a little bit come over me and I stopped again and I like, like yeah. do you know what I mean got a bit carried away but since then remember I've stopped anyone I've just been like yeah. stepped back in my corner that'd be nice finished game like, over job done yeah, yeah. And, and after do you know what I mean I have obviously more respect for him after fights you've got to you can't over respect him in there you over respect him in there then, then you might slip up somewhere and get caught do you know what I mean yeah. you've got to have a bit of dog in you um, so, but after the fight, there's nothing but I, I respect any person that jumps in me. Love and respect to any person that jumps yeah. in me. So. I'm guessing everyone you fought has had a lot more experience, a lot yeah, more yeah. fights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm still in learning fights. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, you've, obviously, you could call them journeymen. So, I've got a lot of learning fights. I've I've had some learning fights, and I'm, I'm still getting they're getting a lot more competitive now. But they're still learning fights. Do you know what I mean? They're, Instead of me stopping them in first, I'm stopping them in fourth. Like yeah. the, the learning fights, some some of them have fought Tony Bellew, Derek Chisora, Dillian White. Do you know what I mean? They fought David A. They fought good people. So yeah, the body's there for me to to learn, to work off, try things, get caught, and you know what I mean. Like you can never prepare yourself for. Yeah. We spar, but we spar sixteen out of ten guards. Yeah, yeah. There's no. Have you been caught properly yet? 
yeah. Have you? Yeah, yeah I've had like a like a white flash, like boof. And is it I mean, sort of a few seconds, and then you just back to normal, or is it drowsy? No, no. I think the white flash will make where it's boof. Like, you yeah. Just, you've got to poker face it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You've literally got to poker face it. I think some people it. take it too far. They'll just like go nah, yeah, and then yeah. the leg goes. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know about you. Yeah. That's another thing, like, like doing stuff like that. I get caught shaking my head, like, like showboat attack. Like, yeah, it's just not me. It's just not in. It's not something I do. Trash talk. It's just yeah. nothing I do. So, when you were younger, did you look up to any boxers or rugby players or what? Everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lennox um, Lewis, like Lennox Lewis. Um, for me, I'd a big fan of Tommy Lens. Okay. But no, my obviously when I was young, mine were rugby mates, so I looked up to a lot of players. That's another reason why I ended up going to Warrington as well, because I loved Adrian Morley. You know what I mean, yeah. Mo's one of the big, a big, like, role model for me, do you know what I mean? And luckily I've, and like, James Peacock, all over at Leeds, but he's a, he's a great bloke, do you know what I mean? Good yeah, he is. Uh, but that were, Mo's was my, like, role model, do you know what I mean? So... I was lucky enough to end up obviously training with him and getting to know him. So, but, and, but boxing wise, I never really looked up to anyone. So I didn't have a chance to. Right. Okay. So what you do four rounds now? Uh, six. Six. So I think, I think my next one might be eight. Right. And what? Who decides that? Uh, my coach and my manager. So is the people that always box eight rounds? So is it is it is the people who only box certain amount of rounds and you'll just look at moving up them? No, no, no. So, like, I could box someone that's four twelve rounds before. Right. Yeah, I could box someone that's that's their first eight rounder. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It differs, mate. And how do you feel after six rounds? Are you, do you feel like you could do more, or is that where your training will come in and get you prepared? Um, I don't. I don't know. Like, training is different to fighting. Obviously, do you know what I mean? You feel different when you're fighting to when you're doing your training. Like, when I spar, sometimes I get. After six, I'm like, I, I'm on my ass. But sometimes after six, when we finish sparring, I'll be like, I could have pushed up. If I'd done more in during the sparring, yeah. I'd done a, an extra couple of rounds. On fight night, mate, like, they say, like, a bit of nervousness takes, like, something like, like 15, 20% of your fitness out straight away anyway. Um, yeah, so I think on, on the night, <coughs> you can't really, you just got to go with it, I don't know. You just, you just got to walk like I suppose, though, if you knew you were going eight rounds, you, you'd, you'd pace you'd yourself more, time. wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. 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 I'll just keep knocking them out in first four. It'd help, it? it doesn't matter, does it? Eight, it twelve, whatever it is, just just make it four. It doesn't matter how fat I am, is it? I'm not quite first. I'm not quite first. See, you've got these coaches and all this training. You just need me to tell you, just keep knocking them out in first. <laughs> you won't have to worry. Which is the best comment to me every night. Don't say before bed. <laughs> but like, they ring me the night before a fight, and like the night of the fight, and it'll be like, it's a man. Just hit him. I'll do that, pal. If he hits your back, just hit him. Like, don't, don't worry about it. If he hits you, you're going to get it. So, like, just hands up, just hit him. I'll do that too. <laughs> Yeah, he's a proper Dylan. Yeah, he is. He is a proper Dylan. Um, how how did you get involved with Determined Dan? Um, 
So I ended up, I was working with Russ for a little bit. Right. Um, when I sat my chest, snapped my chest, I ended up being in an office. Do you know what I mean? My mate owned the business, and oh, well, I can't my mate, but I got to know him. Do you know what I mean? Um, uh, and Russ worked there. Uh, Russ were in the same office. So I mean, office one arm. At this point, still had just things strapped up. Still arm. more useful than Russ. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah pretty much. Um, so I just me and with Russ we we clicked to make drama. I mean, we got on a lot. Um, and I, I don't really. I think it was obviously boxing that took me into getting um, in with determined Dan. Um, obviously started doing well with boxing and that and, and obviously Daniel were going through what we were going through and I were good friends with Russ and I, my brother-in-law played rugby and I always said to Russ I mean if you ever need anything let me know um, if there's anything I can help with do whatever he likes like, let me know um, and it just went from there really mate right mm-hmm. so you're getting involved you wouldn't have been able to do any at walk would you no mate no I was, I was training yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I went to meet him one day in Wakefield, and the idea was because I've got a motorbike, I'll ride the bike so far, and then walk back to him, and then walk with him to the bike, and just keep right, okay, yeah, keep yeah, doing yeah. that. Um, but logistically, it didn't work. Thank God. So I didn't end up doing any. I went to meet him in Hull at the end. Did you? Um, but yeah, they're on about doing canoeing. Are they, yeah? Canoeing from Liverpool to Leeds. You see, I do that. I save your legs. I won't. Did you get that? Is uh... <laughs> but again, that's that's that motion. Yeah, do you yeah. think? But I would genuinely would use that as a an excuse to not as, do it. Not as a training, <laughs> as a training thing. I would use that as a, as a thing for training. To be fair. Yeah. Um, but from the walk, mate, I am glad that like I did have training. To be fair. Yeah. As good as a cause it were for. <laughs> Didn't want to what? I'd have, for one, I'd have argued with Russ all the way around. Yeah, it'd have been tough on your voice. Yeah, yeah, you know I mean? yeah. And my back carrying him. So. <laughs> I don't know how much of it he did. I think he was at cow with my dad most of the time. Yeah, yeah. From what I've heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was officer of doofus. <laughs> officer <laughs> doofus, we're body for duty, sir. Yeah, well, yeah, that. Uh, do I look after yeah. So yeah, so I know that I know they've got some big plans. I I did a chat with Dan. And I said, do you ever do all, like, normal? Do you ever do all easy? Or do you just think, what's the hardest thing we can do? Let's times it by 10, and then we'll do that instead. Yeah, but is it ever, is it, is that what you're going to do as hard as what that kid's gone through? Yeah, this you know is I mean? it, yeah. So. But to look at him and to talk to him, you you wouldn't know that it's even been that much of a struggle. I found out a lot about it that I didn't know about. Um, I was in prison when I first found out. Yeah. Um, and it was tough because... Like my sister was telling me on a visit um, and I remember not really taking in what she was saying because they were doing some sort of raffle for Easter eggs in the visit. So I was like, oh, make sure you're doing this. And she's like, are you listening to what I'm telling you? I don't know if it was me trying not to hear. Um, but then I've gone back off the visit and I'm just sat thinking, oh, what an ignorant shit I am. She's trying to tell me this thing and I was talking about an Easter egg. And it was a while after that it started to sink in what had actually happened. Um, and then, I mean, they did a little walk around a couple of rugby clubs. I got a tattoo of his scar on my head. Do you know what I mean? So who's the real supporter of Determined Dan? Do you know what I mean? Anyway, I, everyone walks every day. You know, everyone does a bit. Do you know? 
I, do you know what Russ were meant to come? I said to Russ, "Shall we both? Shall we get it?" And he was like, "Oh, I'm not sure." I was like, "Honestly, I promise you, it won't. Hurt. It'll be weird because you'll feel it vibrating, but you won't feel it on your head because it's bone. You, you've got no to worry about." Uh, so what he did is he just shaved the yeah, shape into his head. Yeah. I was like, "You big fanny." Yeah, he did. Yeah. So um, I'm still trying. I'm, I'll get him to do it eventually. Yeah. Yeah, but to be fair, I got it done, and I sent Dan a picture, and I said, "Hi, mate. I just w- I want to show you this because I've got this tattoo to show you that having that scar on your head should never hold you back in your life. It should never stop you from doing anything you ever want to do." And I sent him this really nice message, and then he was like, "Cheers, mate." And we've never <laughs> we've never had a picture together. He's never asked to see it. <laughs> so part of me is just like, okay. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm sure he did. He just didn't have a clue how to. Yeah, yeah, he is. But he's just amazing. The stuff that he's still doing, like he still goes to play basketball. He still wants to be an architect. You know, he's taught himself to write and draw with his left hand. And while we're saying, oh yeah, I did my knee and I had to do these things and this recovery, and you know, you hurt your chest, and even though it's a really, really bad thing. His, I spoke to a girl who had brain surgery, first ever operation, age 20. So she had to shave all her hair off. And she said that was one of the worst things for her as a, a, like a beautiful young female having to shave her hair off. So the first operation she's ever had, she has to sign a form to say, I understand that I might die. And then she lays on a trolley, gets put to sleep, not knowing whether she's going to wake up again. This is it. Uh, it's crazy to think and you know as much as people go through I feel like we're really lucky you know you're 25 both your eyes point in the same direction you don't have a a speech impediment you don't have anything that makes you stand out where as a child people could pick on you you know when you know when you're young and you don't think about stuff and you just target people for little little things that stand out um and this is one of the things I say to the young people, you're in such a, a privileged position to be able to do anything you want to do in your life. And instead you want to smash bus stop windows and you know, shout at old people and it's like, what, what are you doing with your life? And you just want to, you want, you want to fast forward them a couple of years to show them where the, where the yeah, this is it. And so yeah, it is, it's, it's really tough. So what's next then? Who's the next fighter? When's the next fight, do you know? Yeah. Um, throughout the year, you know, he does it at the beginning of the year. He says, I'll, we'll, "We'll have a show in March, April, June, right. November, December." It's quite a lot for professionals, isn't it? What yeah, four or five a year? He's got a lot of fighters. Yeah. So, like the February, March, or the March, April, I'll only fight on one of them. Ah, oh, right. Then, okay. You know I mean? Cause he's got that many lads. He likes to yeah. get them all out at, around the same time. Um, but he said he's got November penciled in that he did earlier on in the year. He said he's going to leave it in there. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. If you was offered a fight behind closed doors, no fans, would you do it? Yeah. yeah. Would you? Yeah. I bet that would be eerie. Unless they did what they're doing at football and just played crowd noise. No. <laughs> <laughs> that could yeah, make it different. I know, I know, but at the same time, mate, look how many... I know it's only sparring, but sparring is... There's only four of you in a room, including you and your opponent. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. So it's not that much different. And especially yeah. if you go... If you don't run off fans, you know, egging you on, then you know, it's really sweet, won't you? Do you know what I mean? But if if crowd is what actually makes you the fighter you are, then 
Yeah, you're at a disadvantage, aren't you? Yeah. The um they did a UFC um fight in America behind closed doors. And the way they talked about it, it was sort of it was good for the few people that was in there that was able to watch it, but it's different without the atmosphere. Yeah, 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 of course. And you can imagine it being the same. Like if you're if you're if you've got a, a room full of fans and you do get that little oh shit, what just happened there, mm-hmm. that sort of shouting I, I would guess would sort of help you come round and yeah. but saying that if you don't really hear people no. it wouldn't make a difference to you would no. it no. it's like literally isn't it like you get selected area but one of my mates is fighting on the uh, on the UFC island oh really yeah yeah Matt Diacati yeah. yeah he's in camp up he's going to fight in, in that island yeah and where is he is he local as well is he Leeds yeah he lives in Leeds yeah he's originally from Doncaster lived in America for two and a half years uh, but he trains with us Right. Um, Is Steve Wayne still doing it? Yeah. I'm sure I went to watch him fight at Frontier many, many years ago. Yeah. Did you, yeah? I'm pretty sure it was Steve because Steve Wayne and uh, Ben Brummett, they were both. Ben Brummett came out of Army um, and I'm sure he went. He was definitely down at Golden Team. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure them, them two have had fights at Frontier before. Have they, yeah? I don't think I've. I think I've yeah, I have been there. Right. Yeah, because they do the the ring walk, the rubbing the rope, the pre- oh, yeah. that's what I wanted to ask you. You when you turn before a fight, is is it? Do you is there like a prayer in your head that you say, or is it just sort of like a a moment where you? Nah, it's. Um, you don't have to tell me if you don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> um, nah, I do say a little something to myself, but yeah, yeah, I just put my head in my gloves and I, I push. I don't know why push the dad right like, into my eyes like or like just above my eyes like my eyebrows are I push yeah. the dad and say something to myself and then okay is it the same thing every time yeah, yeah. is it alright I want to guess I want to I oh brilliant yeah, yeah. I think everyone will have that though like, do you have any like certain routine or certain thing you go through when no you I, I got some advice on if if I allow myself to, I'll spend the whole time... So usually I'm last on. So usually I'll sort of like headline a, la- a night. So I'll be one of the last to perform. If I allow myself to, I'll spend the whole night while other people are performing, not listening to them, running through the words in my head. But the problem with that is, if you're running through the words and someone comes to talk to you and say something and they cut you off, you've lost momentum. So it, it for me, it's like a, I bet I forget my words when I get to that bit. So what I do now is either on the way there or when I get there, I'll take sort of 20 minutes off, however however long the thing is. So if it's 20 minutes, I don't do it at a pace that I usually would. I'll just go through them as quick as I can. So okay. I'll, as long, I'll just get the words out as fast as I can yeah. um, in my head. As many times over? Just once. Right. So I'll just run through my set, right. uh, one after the other, bum, 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 done. I know it's in my head. I'm just going to go and enjoy my night, and then I don't think about it anymore. Right. Okay. Whereas otherwise I'll be sat and it'll just be... It'll be. I'll be constantly thinking because I I nearly quit. So when I first started, I'd memorize the words, but then I'd get up and the way my head works, it works at hundred mile an hour, and I can't read a book because I can't focus on this one thing. It's always all over the place. So what used to happen is I'd get the words in my head. So I'd be at home and I'd be like, yeah, no problem. 
I'd get up on stage and then while I'm stood, I'd, my head would be saying, oh, don't forget to look over there. You need to look. And instead of my head telling me what the words are going to be, it's telling me where I need to be looking and that bit's coming up where you do that thing with your hand. Or yeah. And it, I had this internal monologue, this commentary, um, and I just used to forget my words regularly. So what I do now is when, when I'm trying to memorise something, I put um, rap music on where I know the words. So my head's singing along to the words, but my mouth just automatically says whatever oh, piece I'm trying to memorise. Yeah. Well, it does, my head does, but because my mouth is now doing what it needs to do without me thinking about it, my head can enjoy the music, my mouth goes into autopilot, so all I need to know is the first line, and then my mouth just does it. Just, just does it. So as long as I can do it before that, that day, before I know it's in my head, and then I'll get up and do it. That's it's madness. <laughs> yes, I found something that he can't do. I've been singing. Yeah, but so it's the only way I can do it. Um, but now I ain't, I ain't done it for months, and then I've been. I meant to be going on a tour. Like how rock and roll does that sound? Poetry tour. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be like hotel rooms, girls smashing TVs. I don't think it's going to be any of that. But um, but yeah, we've been given some money we're going to go to a couple of recovery places so we'll go for example we've got a Middlesbrough to a recovery centre run a workshop um, through the day and then do a performance on the night stay over and then oh, move on to the nice. to the next one yeah proper that. rock and roll yeah, yeah I am I'm looking forward to it but the nerves have kicked in because I haven't done it for so long and now because it's not just doing it for fun it's not just yeah, you know good. yeah this yeah. is it I'm getting paid for this um, so you've got to be on point it's got to be. Yeah, no thanks for that, mate. Yeah, sorry, cheers. Sorry. Cheers, pal. <laughs> you've got to do it now. Yeah. Like before, like you say, if you got it wrong, you got it wrong. It's on you. It's on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back then, anyway, but now you're... I know, yeah. It's pressured and it's it. Yeah, cheers. And we're going to be running workshops, talking to people about confidence and all the rest of it, and then I'm going to get up and fluff my words. <laughs> I, just, I did it for you guys to show you that you can still make mistakes and it's still I'll all right. I do watch who's a, a good speaker. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah, Trent Shelton. I haven't. Have you not? No. So what does he talk about? Like, it's more like motivation type type speaker, mate. Because I watch a lot of... Um, I watch a lot of Dudzel Washington, Will Smith. He was talking to me about McGregor, but I don't watch that one. Uh, but Trent Shelton, um, tends to watch I'm just going to send that to myself. Trent Shelton. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's very good. So I watched, I watched something with um, Will Smith talking about fear. Have you seen it? Yeah. And he's saying that when I'm laid in my bed the day before, I'm in absolute fear and I'm in the safest place I could ever be in. But my head's allowing me to fill myself full of this fear. And then when he jumped, it was just, it was just calm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy to think, yeah. isn't it? I say that, I don't want to say the best things in life are on the other side of yeah. fear. And on the other side of your comfort yeah. zone. Yeah, this is it. Like when I went snowboarding, so I, I ride motorbikes and... Um, I don't have to say this without my mum getting me into trouble. So let's say if I was on a private bit of land yeah. and I was going fast where it's allowed, like on a track or something like that, <laughs> yeah. like a track day. So the, the feeling of speed on a bike. So I'm on this snowboard and I'm going down this mountain and I'm going too fast and I'm not in control. 
and all I'm thinking is, I'm really going to hurt myself. This is after I'd already broke my shoulder. Not knowing, I didn't know I'd broke my shoulder. I just know I'd hurt my shoulder. I'd cracked my ribs. And I'm just going down this mountain and thinking, you know what, snowboarding is probably not for me. This ain't, <laughs> ain't going to end well. And I was, I was absolutely shitting myself. And then I managed to sort of carve the board in a way that I got back under control. And that feeling afterwards, I was like, I want to go again. That rush, yeah, I want yeah, to go yeah. again. And that's, that's the nearest comparison I've ever had to the feeling of sort of doing 150 on a bike. Right. You know, that sort of that adrenaline, that feeling. Um, and it's, it's hard to get that, that experience. Yeah, I mean, yeah. even, I think even if you were to jump out of a plane, there's still an element of safety there. You've strapped to somebody. They've done it thousands of times before. You know what they're doing. Um, but I've not done it to know whether that's a similar I like feeling. To, I would like to do that. Though. Determined, Dan. Let's do it. I would like to do it. Would you be allowed to do it? Yeah. Is there restrictions on what you can do in your spare time? Um, or is it down time. to you? <laughs> oh, yeah. So spare times for normal people who have different jobs who get, like, <laughs> no, time I mean, off. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, like, obviously, when I'm not in camp. Yeah. Like, yeah, out thing. of those ten weeks. No, right, yeah. but I suppose it's down to you knowing if yeah. you do something daft. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, I do whatever I want. So, have you ever been into motorbikes or anything yeah, like yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, right. motorbikes, yeah. yeah. One of my races. Oh, does it? Yeah, yeah races on track. Yeah, right. Yeah, races, buggies, and bikes. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. Got a road quad. I go out on that road quad and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. I went to North Yorkshire on one of those and Beach trying to. Just trying to well, yeah, it was yeah, it was a seven hundred, and on on my bike when I want to turn, I go like this. Yeah. On a quad, it's like I turned and I tried, and it just kept going straight. And you've yeah. got to, like you've got to almost broad slide yeah, into to, corners. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. I, like, I can't get used to this. Yeah. It's not worse when you come close to a, a thing either. Uh, so me and him were both out on quads, and I'm behind him. He's riding in front. He's very good on bikes and quads yeah. and what have you. But at some point, I don't know why he did it. I think we might have drove past somewhere and he's looked at me. And he's in front of me and he's, he's turned around to look at me. Not seeing that the guy in front is turning. And obviously with quads and that, you've got to do your momentum and stuff. But yeah. uh, I don't know if you've ever come close, when you, if you ever come on close call on quad, but it's so easy to flip. <laughs> and he's looked at me, laughed at somewhere. But we drove past somewhere and he turned around and started laughing. And he's looked forward, and like it's like a year away from the car, and he's had to like literally throw, you know, like the quads at side, like obviously with yeah. one, like, but he like come up on two wheels, and he's very good on them, so it was it was sound, but so he's nearly crashed, but he went up on two wheels and missed the car. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I bet he was he's thrown, he's buzzing thrown, with that. He's thrown, <laughs> he's thrown the over, and it's like tipped. Do you know what I mean? He didn't mean that yeah, yeah, yeah. to tip, but it did. But, yeah, no, the good and you, you bet you didn't have a GoPro on front of yours. You didn't have a camera on front of yours. No, no, no. Oh, that'd have been a good it video. Been good. <laughs> <laughs> it was just on Road as well. Was it? It was on Road, yeah. But they are good fun then, mate. I, yeah. love, I love quads. Yeah. I, d I mean, you can only have one on a car licence though, can't you? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Which well, is... saying that, it's better for, better for me, personally, because I don't have a bike licence. Yeah. But before, you could use your car, no claims bonus, on the quad. Oh, you know right. I mean? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's just a, it's a car insurance. Because yeah. you have to wear helmets on them either. No, nothing. Um, and that's what I did. I used to go out on the shorts and t shirt on them. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, when it's a nice day, obviously, go out. But 
now the what they use you know like the bonus sort of insurance on the nightmare right yeah i've i've been riding bikes probably over 20 years now right. and i've had three accidents all one was 2016 where a car came through a giveaway and we sort of i managed to slant that brake on and turn so i didn't go straight into him so we just sort of bang sides and then someone went in back of me in not far from here in holbeck wrote that bike off that was on a monday on my side i think the handlebars went into me yeah 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 it was really really bad <laughs> magic sponge <laughs> and i was up and about but then three days later i got a higher bike dropped off and a 16 year old kid in a stolen car cut in front of me as i'm coming up from white rose past where you turn into cardinals towards tommy was so i've swerved hit a curb and i had full kit on and as i'm sliding i slid for quite a distance sliding up the road i broke bones in my hand and the jacket I had on, the sleeve rolled up and I took all the skin off my arm. Really? And they like, they go on about wearing proper gear. And it was yeah, a brand yeah. new Alpine Star jacket. I bought it because I had the crash on the Monday. Oh, so it was three, it was less than three days old. Yeah. And yeah, the sleeves just came up. So when people talk about, yo, you shouldn't go out on bikes in tracksuit yeah, bottoms yeah, or yeah. normal jeans or, and it's like, well, I spent money on proper kit. Yeah. And it still, it did nothing for me. Yeah. But is that the thing as well, though, with bikes and more bikes and quarters stuff? Not you, is it? Yeah. Like you don't need to watch how you are driving. This is it. Other people. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm I'm quite... When I'm on the motorway, if I'm riding, I know I'm going to be in a blind spot of the car that I'm overtaking. Yeah. So what I do is I look in his mirror because if I see him glancing in his mirror, there's a yeah. chance he hasn't seen me and he's going to pull across. Yeah. So I'm I'm very aware when I'm on it. But like I say, the one in the one in Holbeck, I was sat in traffic and it just went into the back of me. So now what I do is I leave a massive gap and I point towards the middle. So if oh, I can yeah. see something coming up quick, I'll just... I've got time to get away yeah. and then with them like I say just it pulled in front and what I found out that they do is they, they pull in front of you so you stop then they use the car to push the bike over at slow speed and then they get out and steal the bike they did it a week later in Armley oh really yeah so me swerving I hit curb at 40 and it just threw me a bike was mashed it was a brand new MT10 it, they're worth about 12, 13 grand but zero miles and uh, I was devastated and that's the bike I wanted, and then I thought, there's, there's something here. I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to do it. So, I'd yeah. Love a, I'd love like a, a touring bike. Maybe. Yeah. That'd be good to have like a nice big touring bike. Yeah. Drive, me, drive to Spain and stuff like that. We were talking about doing it. Me, um, auntie and uncle's got a place in Bulgaria. Um, so me and we broke up this year, but me and the girlfriend, she, um, she's into bikes. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, we're kind of. Or the girl who you live, you don't live with her. No, no. Oh mate, sorry. No, no, it's, it's alright. <laughs> We're good though. We're good. Alright, okay. Yeah. So yeah, so she, um, we, we were going to do the same. Um, just get like a tourer, drive to Bulgaria, just sort of stop in London, France, and you know, just yeah. book a hotel for every day until we get there. Spend a week there, and then do the same back. Yeah. But the, the, the super bike, or you up and bag or super? Um, up and bag. So it's a Triumph Speed Triple, oh, it, yeah. um, bright orange. Yeah, a bit of a. Be a bike, man. Be a it's too, especially when you're taller, and it's yeah, it's it's uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I love it. Yeah, I I was looking at the at the KTM to do a 1290, and I was just like, oh, it, it won't it won't be any good. Like the Bandit were bad enough. The 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 Triumph's quicker than the Bandit, but not top end. So it'll get to sort of 60 um, quicker than what the Bandit would have done. Um, but then after that, it tops out about 130 ish. So, 
But I do, I love them. I've never, it, cars have never interested me. Yeah, not. No. I'm a bit of a girl for cars. Like yeah, I've seen, I've seen Airdresser's car you've got outside. Yeah. But I'm not into all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. So you just want to buy a car as it is, appreciate appreciate it for what it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So if you if you get another big check and you're going to upgrade your car, what would you get? I'll do the check. (laughs) Okay, we'll go fifty grand to start with. Fifty grand. Someone's listening in my uh, Google. Just approximately three point four six 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 seven. I won't get one. I think that's how much Not of a. It got to 16. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a clue what just happened um, there. But um, see, so yeah, I'm the type of person like my dream car. My dream car would be like a Phantom or a Rolls Royce. Okay. It wouldn't be a Ferrari or a. Yeah, yeah. Or that. Um, if I go into fifty grand budget, man. Um, I don't know. I'd, I'd like a. Right. Okay. See, I've always been in love with Porsches. I think if you pay 120 grand for a Porsche, 120 grand for a Ferrari, you get the same top speed, you get the same performance. But the Porsche, you're getting suede interior, you're getting leather interior, you're getting heat seats, you're getting all the luxuries, but you still get the performance. Whereas Ferrari, it's got door hand, you know, windy yeah, windows and yeah, stuff like that. See, even the GT3 RS, that's the stripped-down version, but you still probably get more in the cockpit of that than you do in most of the Ferraris. See, he's got everything, like, easy, it's like top spec, do you know yeah. it's, it's got roll cage in it, everything, do you know Oh, I mean? wow. It's, it's honestly made for fast. If you like Porsches, you'd like So, that. you're going to introduce and get a day out, and is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, sort it out. Is it written outside at door? Yeah, yeah. What colour is that? Do you remember? Yeah. I love them. I absolutely love them. What about your tattoos? Where do you get them done? Um, a mate of mine does them. Um, it's called Shoey. Oh, I know Shoey. Yeah, yeah, Shoey and Beeson. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we grew up not far apart. Um, he lived not far from where I am now. All right. Um, brother Khaled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so they're they're a couple of years older. So they're more my sister's uh, middle sister. So there's Alicia and Tony. Yeah, I, think I think they're more Alicia's age. I think, um, I think she was about maybe about thirty six or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think he's about like mid thirty. Is it still up Middleton? He, he had a shop at where? No, it's in Beeston now. Oh, is it? As the opposite, as in Beeston. Oh, right. Yeah, just down the street there. Um, can't remember the name of road like, but yeah, he's in there, but. Has he done all of them, has he? Yeah, yeah. Barry Munch, he had done the sleeve. He's done sleeve, neck, leg. Yeah. And with your neck, <laughs> did you... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> like, what, what did your mum say about your tattoos? She doesn't. Does she? Mm-hmm. 
I got told not to get them on my hand or my neck. So, but when they put the stencil on, they put the stencil on my arm, and I was just like, oh, I'll tell you what, just start at that end and work your way back, and then I can't change my mind. And with this, I'm just pushing my luck a little bit. Yeah, it's just, I'm going to get the same on the other side, and then maybe just do a couple here. Best thing I've ever done, this is my, like, for me, it's the best thing I've ever done. Yeah. Yeah, you know, with my neck. Uh, but now my mum was at me, Nana. Nana, she's like, Does she? Have you got plans for your next ones? I've got this is getting finished, I'm going down to my knuckles again. Right. So same, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then I've got my chest done already. I'm gonna get my back done. I've got my full leg. Both arms, chest, leg, back. Do you think it's intimidating when you go into a fight when you're covered? Um, no, I think it's maybe back in the day it might have been. But now it's, it's more bit, normal to see. Yeah, it's more normal to see, yeah. But I think I think you like Especially me personally with neck and stuff, like. Did you use numbing cream? There, I did, mate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I've been told, I don't know anyone that's ever had the neck done no, without it. No, I had yeah, I had a bit of my chest done and he did this thing called stippling. I don't know if. Can you. Is it I far down enough? Like yeah, but it's instead of, instead of. So all this is dot work. So instead of it being dot, 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 what they do is they make the needle longer. And if you imagine a kid with a Crayola, yeah, so they just go like this. And then they wipe it away and they'll probably be like 12 dots. So they go over it about six or seven times. And I was laid. I was just like, man, I'm going to have to tap out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to, I'm gonna have to say I can't do it because it was just the same spot, just literally scribbling over like four or five times. So I had to use numbing cream to get my chest finished. Yeah. yeah. You know, the going over. Yeah. You know what gets me most? The tissue. You know, in the... I think they enjoy that because they do do it, and like, there's no need to put that much no, pressure, I say that is it? I paid you enough chest. money. <laughs> what are you using yeah. this paper yeah. for? <laughs> Literally, it's a quid for like six years. No wonder it's like sandpaper. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I agree with that. That is the worst bit. I don't know if it's because you're already sore from the tattoo or what have you, but. It yeah. is they do and the, yeah. they spray the thing on and they're like they want to get a good video and they do that whole drag. Yeah. I did That's an it. interview with him. Cut my face out. Yeah. Yeah. I did an interview with him and he was saying, um, "I've become a pussy." He said, "When you get to know your tattooist, you become more of a pussy." I was like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "Well, you complain about paying more now than when you first started." And I think when you don't know someone. Yeah, you don't yeah, want to say, oh, that's painful. Yeah. But I've also heard that if you're right-handed, the right side of your body hurts less. Oh, okay. So you're left-handed. Yeah. So which side was worse for you, do you know? Can you remember? Did you? Yeah, apparently, the, whatever hand you are, that's, that side can take more pain. Yeah. So I started with this side. That's, <laughs> it's probably bullshit. It's just my way of saying, <laughs> no, <laughs> science, <laughs> it's science. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but my leg, I've got 
obviously I've got my full leg done it goes right up into my groin and I've got uh, Anubis in my groin because mm. I've got Egyptian thing and uh, I was like, I needed to right in the crease right in the crease yeah because the closer this got to my armpit yeah. was sore and then just little bits like in between in between here yeah they're, they're not nice then yeah but like I had to I had to like, like literally pull myself to the side because it's that far up into my groin right at the right. back right yeah yeah and the, it's, it's ears as well so it'll go right into a point and it's a thin needle oh, I'm like listen sugar I'm going if you go home you get your shower and your stencil comes off like it's, it's gonna you know what I mean it's not gonna be it's not gonna be how yeah, it yeah. should be now anyway just just stay with me but then I'm sure he just does stuff purposely <laughs> it's a little bit deeper or a little bit slower online I don't know but it's Probably to say I can make a professional boxer cry. Yeah, yeah. That's all it is. I've got to make that's killing us going. I can't believe it. It hurts there, does it? Yeah. Even even things like when when I'm getting mine done and he turns my arm over and then he sticks the bit that's been done to the yeah. stool and you're oh, like, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. But that's the thing. They can't feel it, so they no, don't no, care, no, do they? I do full days with him. I don't like doing yeah. like half a day or a couple of hours. Yeah, yeah. I do full days with him. And there's nothing worse when, I do, obviously, you're, you're probably doing a full day, but say we're doing this here, he'll do this and he'll go onto here a few hours, come back onto here. Yeah, yeah. yeah but even start. even without a couple of hours, so this one, when he when he did this, he did that bit yeah. and then that bit and then that bit and he went round like that. So now this bit's sore. And then he did that bit, that <laughs> bit, that bit, went round. So now this yeah, bit yeah, saw, and then yeah, he did that and yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And he just kept going round clockwise. And you just think, why didn't you start that end and work yeah, your way down? I say that. Finish that. <laughs> finish that then do this. <laughs> just, don't, just don't be going back and forth. <laughs> Not worse. So, Shuey, if you're listening. You're yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, brilliant. Mate, listen, I really appreciate you coming on. No, it's been really good to get to know you. We've never really spoke much no, before no. this, but I definitely want to sort of see you getting involved in some of the work we do with the young yeah, people, and um, it'd be good to have you in that. And, and whenever, whenever your next fight is, good luck for that. Appreciate it. All right, mate. Good, mate. No worries.